Welcome to The Speech Link. I'm your host, Sharp Oshart, and I invite you to listen and learn practical strategies from experienced experts to take your therapy to the next level. For a school SLP, there are two very special days each year. The first day, oh, it's very exciting to see everybody, and the last day. <laughs> Sometimes you feel like you're hanging on by a thread and wondering if you're actually going to make it to the last day. My guest shares many practical ideas on how to not just live through it, but thrive and enjoy those middle days of the school year. Hang on, grab a pen and a big sheet of paper. Here we go. Well, <laughs> I would like to welcome everybody to our first live face-to-face -face video SpeechLink podcast, sponsored, of course, by SpeechTherapyPD.com, and I'm pretty excited, and I'm thrilled that you are all here to take part. I'm Char Beauchart, your speech-language pathologist host, and here on the, the SpeechLink, we connect and link with outstanding professionals like the one that we have this evening for you. The goal is to dig in and discover really practical information and ideas so that we can improve what we do so our students and clients can improve what they do. And to help us do that tonight, we are... <sighs> Thrill. I am totally thrilled and so honored to have Melissa Burke DeLang, M-A-C-C-C SLP, with us tonight. She is a bilingual speech-language pathologist and has over 14 years of experience, primarily in the school setting. And interestingly, and I really like this, she's a health and wellness educator as well as an actor-slash-voiceover artist. <laughs> Very fun. She grew up in the beautiful island of Puerto Rico, earned her Bachelor of Fine Arts in Acting with a minor in Spanish from Brigham Young University, and then a Master's of Arts in Speech, Language, and Hearing from Temple University. For her first nine years, she was a full-time SLP in the schools in Philadelphia, Utah. I didn't even know there was such a place. <laughs> well, no, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and then also Utah, and then also Texas. Yeah. Oh, is there? there is a oh, Philadelphia, Texas. That's so funny. Okay. Thank you for <laughs> yeah, correcting that. Okay. That's perfect. Okay. And then you were also a contract therapist for bilingual therapies in Texas. Is that true? Is that what happened? Correct. In all three locations. That's the company I worked for the whole time. Well, and then uh, tragedy struck. Unfortunately, she experienced multiple miscarriages and a stillbirth in 2015. And as a result, she shifted much of her attention to her family and to her health and wellness business while working as a part-time CF supervisor in the schools and as a private therapist. Happily, however, and this is good, Melissa now has two miracle children with a third on the way. Congratulations. Yes. And she Thank continues you. to work privately in teletherapy. She says her passion is helping SLPs manage stress at work and thrive in whatever setting they choose. So today she's talking about moving from survival to thrival in the public school setting. Oh, and Melissa, I am so looking forward to hearing you and learning from you. Welcome to the speech link, Melissa. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Shar. I'm really excited to be here today. Great. Well, me too. Well, let's begin. You know, I've always said that each one of us has our own brand of pain. 
And I'm going to kind of address the elephant in the room. And typically here on the speech link, we don't talk about or talk about a lot the personal tragedies and so on of our guests. But this one's just too important. Even as I read it and I think about it, my heart goes out to you, the miscarriages, the child, the, the stillbirth, oh my gosh. But I'm wondering, in the back of my mind, I'm wondering, did these tragedies, these dark, dark, very difficult and challenging times, did they impact how you then see life and how you adjust and how you manage other areas in your life? 100%. Absolutely. Absolutely. Tell us about that a little bit, if you would. Sure. Shar, I, I want to say first that for me personally, and I feel grateful that I'm able to say this because I know this is not, it can be di very difficult, right, for a lot of people to talk about these things, but no question is off limits to me. And I feel blessed with, I'm going to call it a gift that I feel like I have to be resilient, to work through the pain that I've experienced in my life. And then to be able to talk about it, and hopefully, my hope is that I'm helping, that I can help others or with that. And so, yes, no question is off limits with this. It is painful. It's tragic. It's awful. I'm going to give you just a little background in my story here. So I got married, I think, on the in the fourth year or so of my career. We didn't try to have kids until the second year that we were married. So about year five into my career. I'm deciding, okay, now I'm going to start to try to have a family. I'm currently pregnant with my 10th pregnancy, okay? So I had a miscarriage immediately, a second, mis you know, second miscarriage, a third miscarriage. The fourth was the stillbirth. The fifth was a miscarriage, okay? So this was just one after another after another. And, it, you know, people were telling me, like, let's impact, let's bring this into the speech world a little bit. People were like, well, you're stressed out at work, you have a stressful job, which I did. And I knew I had, but even though I felt stressed or I experienced stress, I didn't feel like that was the reason for me. But when I had the stillbirth, it was in the middle of this. Well, not in the middle. It was the, towards the beginning of the school year, it was September 24th. And um, so we're right at that beginning of the school year. You're setting up your caseload. You're just getting started. You're just getting rolling. And then you're going to deal with this. Now, I knew several weeks ahead of time that he was probably going to die so that I was I was prepared in that sense. And I went in for weekly heartbeat checks. So we were waiting for the heartbeat to stop and uh, then they would induce Talk me about stress, girl. Oh, oh, my gosh. <laughs> yes. Yes. Incredibly stressful. And to answer your question, kind of drive back, I mean, I can tell you there's so much that this impacted in my view of, okay, well... I don't know what's causing these. There's a whole medical story behind it too. There were some answers. We did find some things wrong, but I were still having miscarriages even though even when we addressed those things that should have taken care of it. So there was a lot of questions happening, but I did start to look at the stress of my job because you know we are humans that live a life and our job is not our only thing. <laughs> and we want to find, all of us want to find that work-life balance so this really made me ask some questions about like, what do I want things to look like long-term and, and how much I, I gave my heart and soul to my job and I gave a ton of time to it and I was burning out, you know? And I was like, I don't, I don't see how I could be the kind of mother I want to be and give my heart and soul there so much too 
at the same time as give this much to my job. So even if I had a child, would I be able to maintain this level of performance at work and give the level I want to give at home? So that was a big question for me, right, to really start considering But also in the healing and in the, I'm going to say in the tenderness that I received, you know, there's always a little gold in every tragedy if you look for it. There really is. There are nuggets of gold in every tragedy if you allow them in and if you look for them. And the compassion that I received from my colleagues, from my friends, from every aspect of my life, people that showed up out of the woodworks from years past in my life that heard about it through Facebook or something, right? Sent me little gifts, gave me something spiritual in their own way or something. There was like different religions that asked, you know, can I, we pray for you? This, all these little different things and all of that, you know, it just gives you so much faith in humanity, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) When we are, yeah. And so I just, it does, it has colored everything and it has made me so grateful extra grateful for the ones I do have now. And I know that's not everyone's story. Not everyone's story is to receive after the loss, right? My, in my case, I have. I have received you know, two beautiful children and I'm eight months pregnant with the next. Everything looks good. We're, we don't expect anything to go wrong, but it is. It absolutely colors how you see things. Oh, yeah. Well, I know that you have given a great deal of thought And you have organized a lot of this and that you have transferred a lot of that, as far as I can tell, into your work life. And you've mentioned that you have four pillars, pillars to help us thrive as a speech-language pathologist in the, the public schools. And I know that it's like four steps or something like that, but I love your choice of word, your choice to use the word pillar. Because I see that as something that's very upright, that's very strong, that's holding something up. And let's move into your pillars. And okay, and you have four of them. If you would give us the four, and then let's cover those. And we'll probably have some other questions and and things along the way. And if any of you watching have a question, feel free to type it in. And probably what we'll do is we'll wait toward the end to respond to them. But yeah, just let's jump into the pillars. Lay it on us. Okay. All right. So the four pillars, let me tell you a little, give a little backstory to these pillars is, okay, so I worked for a year. My CF was in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania okay. for a year. <laughs> yeah. Then I moved to Utah and I was there for five years. Okay. So moving from Philadelphia, inner city school, working with four or five units, mostly in the school I was in, like self-contained units, autism, multiple disabilities, mm. life skills, yeah. those kinds of units. Heavy duty caseload. Then I moved to Utah. Yeah. Right, heavy, heavy duty caseload. Then I moved to Utah. My caseload, and my caseload in Philadelphia was about 55, 65. My caseload in Utah was 85 to 110. <laughs> Huge caseload. Yeah. Okay, and then- There you go. Then I, and then here, my my caseload was about 45 to, to 65. So anyway, in Utah, it took me about, I would say, three and a half years to move into this place where I felt like I'm in the groove. I know how to do my job. I'm feeling good. 
this is like, and then I, so I, when I came to Texas, I thought, oh my gosh, I'm going to rock this. I'm six years old in this field. I know what I'm doing. I came here. (laughs) It was the worst year of my career, my first year here, the worst. And I had the smallest caseload I'd had. So I started to think, okay, what's the difference? Like, how did I get to where I was thriving in Utah? What is it that the SLPs out there are doing that are thriving versus the ones of us that are just pulling our hairs out all the time. And so I sat down and I wrote these out. And this is what I came up with because I achieved it in Texas. I achieved it faster. I achieved it within a year and a half. I got to that thriving position. Okay. So these are the four things that I identified. The first one is consistency. So consistency can mean a lot of things. Okay. For me, one of the things about consistency is committing to a school committing to a district. We have high turnover because we get under stress. We think we can't handle it and we run, right? It's a fight or flight. It's like, I got to get out of here, right? But if you can commit to stick around for a little while, things get easier, okay? That's one part. of. There's lots of parts of consistency. Another thing is consistency in your work, right? So in your schedule. Once you set up a schedule, committing to your schedule, setting boundaries. And I know it's not always possible, but it can be easy to kind of like, oh, well, I can just grab that kid later or whatever, right? And then you get behind on therapy and there's there are problems that way. Making a good plan and having consistent And part of my, I have several strategies and and tips for each area, but in this one, one of them is a three-week plan. This is like one of my things. I learned that I needed to look ahead every week at the end of the week on Friday afternoon. I look at my schedule for the next three weeks and I identify, has any, have I, are there any field trips coming up? Are there any assemblies, any meetings, IEP meetings that are going to interrupt my schedule? And if they are, I finally learned to front load the therapy, schedule the child that is going to have be impacted, schedule them if they are once a week, schedule them twice a week in these upcoming three weeks, like ahead of time, instead of trying to Uh make up therapy later. Does that make sense? Okay. So, I mean, you're probably going to talk more about this, but do you have like a standing slot, (laughs) you know, that you just sort of keep open and you put that kid in there? Or how do you adjust? Uh, Yeah, I did it different ways. I mean, I had, I looked at my schedule and I looked at what, what were the, I didn't really have a standard makeup slot. What I did do this, what I did when at the beginning of the school year, if I knew I had to schedule a kid twice a week, I put them in my schedule mentally on, on my papers three times a week. So I found three times and I talked to the teacher about that. I need to know three times that I can see this child, not just twice so that I had a possible makeup session time built into the week. Oh, Okay, but it's not on your schedule. You just know that there is a time available for that child, according to the teacher. Yes. Ah, tricky, tricky. It is I a like little, that. It's, it's yeah, a I like that. Forethought, right? Yeah, yeah. And if they're only once, then twice, right? Yes. So I had this. So then I could plan. I could know. Okay, there's a field trip coming up. He's not going to be here. 
And then, of course, there's always absences. There are things that are going to come up. But in my districts, we were required to make up any therapy that we were missed in all the districts sure. that I work in. Yeah. And I know that that's not the case in every district. I've heard different things. But yeah, well, I, I'm going to say most. Yeah, most. It is. We're, we're bound by the IEP. So we need to be providing that. So anyway, so that was a strategy I used. So three weeks ahead of time. The other thing I did was with evaluations, same thing. So you know you've got 45 days or whatever your state's laws are, 45 school days to complete this evaluation. And I planned out bits, okay? Because we always want to do, okay, this two-hour block and I'm going to get them. And then the kid's sick. (laughs) And your whole schedule's thrown, right? I mean, you have a million things on your to-do list, but then you're like, oh, no, I've got to carve out time and maybe I should skip this. Like, so I would schedule bits of when I could take them, when I could do things and bite-size it a little bit. So I would have a plan. And especially because the way I do evaluations, I, I like them to be very thorough and I need a lot of time to, I like collecting a bunch of data up front before I ever see the kid so that I'm really prepared going in with the test that I know this is what they need and that kind of thing. So if you can build that into your schedule, look ahead, okay, and build all that in. So three weeks, I'm always every week at the end on Friday, take 15 minutes, look ahead three weeks, make sure everything's blocked in and changed that I need to change. And then I'm doing it at the end of every week. And then at the end of every day, I took 15 minutes. Again, I wasn't perfect at this. This is something I learned over time. So I'm trying to give you a tip to like, right, so you can skip (laughs) some of the learning curve. Yeah, we can learn from you. Right, right. So, but at the end of every day, same thing, take 15 minutes. Did I accomplish what I needed to accomplish today? Is there something I need to move? And where am I going to put it? Schedule it in. Don't just put it on your to-do list. Where is it going to fit in your schedule? And then commit to the schedule, consistency in the schedule. Okay. Do you have any of this written down? Yes. I mean, like, what do you mean? Like in chart form or whatever? Or do you mean like Like just written? If we didn't get all that, uh-huh, <laughs> if uh-huh. we didn't get all the details, is there some place that we can go to access that information? Currently, digital, no. I mean, I have, I do have it. I have an ebook that I started writing. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right. Survival. Yes. And well, so there you I will, go. Yes. It's coming. Okay. It's coming. Okay. <laughs> it's coming. Okay. That's good. That's good. All right. Okay. So is that within the second pillar? That's consistent. That's the first pillar. Consistency. So consistency, all the things that, that are involved in, with consistency is pillar number one. Okay. What's pillar number two? Pillar number two. Sorry, I might be going kind of slow. Okay. Pillar number two, confidence. To me, my formula, confidence. These are all C's. That's my little acronym. Your four okay. C's. Okay. Okay. So confidence is for me, time plus practice equals confidence. So you get out, you're, you're a CF, you're brand new. And then you get, you know, like for me, my first CF experience had a, I had so many children with different syndromes and I was not an expert in every syndrome. Right. Yeah. Well, so it felt oh, yes. very like, Oh, there's a lot to learn for these children. Right. But anyway, you have to give yourself time to learn the things you need to learn. It's going to take time. And you're not going to be perfect and you're not going to be incredible in every case at the beginning. But you need to be strategic. Or at the end. Or at the end. It's a lifelong. Because <laughs> okay. I'm old and I've been, you know, I've been out there working for decades. And yeah, I, I still haven't arrived. You know, I'm still learning. Absolutely still learning. And I love that you're saying give yourself time to learn and to grow and to develop. That is so very true. 
I bet many of us have this little like perfectionistic tendency, you know, I know I do. Yeah. Yeah. And I want it now. I want to be perfect, but no, I love that. I love that. Okay. Okay. And my number one tip in this area is pick one focus a year. What I did was I picked evaluations my first year because I had a lot of evaluations coming in and I didn't, and I wanted to be really confident in my evaluation execution. My second year, I chose therapy. So they were really broad. I was like, now I'm going to really focus on therapy and getting better at my therapy. Then those were really broad. Now, as I advanced in my career, I started getting more, more focused, right? I'm going to, this year, I'm going to really implement a great homework plan, a really great carryover plan. The next year, I'm going to, and that's what I would focus. I mean, of course, you're looking at your caseload too. I would focus my CEUs and my extra time energy of thinking in that area so I could really hone a skill. If we just try to do everything, you don't do anything well. So if you can focus in and hone on, and you can decide if you're going to do it annually or different, you know, or whatever. But yeah, if you can focus in, it can really build confidence over time and you can really feel like you've you've really kind of gained skill in an area, I believe. Okay. So time plus practice. In other words, implementing what you have learned. And that's tricky too, because, you know, I mean, I've been to a lot of really good seminars over the years, and I'm so gung-ho at the seminar, and I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to go back, and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to add this to my caseload, and I'm going to start, or not my caseload, I'm going to add it to my therapy, and I'm going to change and alter how I do therapy, and, and this is another option, and I'm going to do it with these four kids. And a lot of times I didn't do it. But perhaps if I had said, okay, this is my objective, and this is what I'm doing over this year, maybe I would have allowed myself some time to do it, but also been perhaps a little kinder with myself to say, oh, I didn't do it for the first two weeks, but hey, I can still do it. Mm-hmm. Is that kind of yeah. what you're thinking about absolutely. maybe? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, okay. you go to conferences and things and you and you get all this. It's true. Just like you said. And my, I went to one conference, I don't know, four years ago or something, where at the end of each presentation, it was like a conference where there was several different speakers, but it was in a large room. So the moderator came out at the end of every presentation and said, in your notes, I want you to write the one thing that stuck out to you from that person's presentation, only the one thing. And so we had a back page that everybody wrote one thing. So at the end of the conference, we had 15 one things. And then at the very end of the conference, he said, now I want you to look at that list and I want you to pick the one thing that you're going to change starting tomorrow or Monday or whatever. But And we're going to, I have more coming. So we'll talk about that at the end. But productivity is not doing all things at once. It's actually honing in on one thing, mastering it or improving it, and then doing the next thing. It's one thing at a time. So I learned that and I implement that now as a speech therapist all the time. All right. That's great. That's great. So we have consistency. We have confidence. Okay. Pillar number three. Number three. Conditions. Now, some things are within our control and some things are outside of our control, right? Sometimes our conditions, I'm referring to our room, right? Our speech space, or if you Ah, even have a room, right? Your environment. Yes, your environment, your school, your setting, 
and it can and it can go all the way from school or setting district down into but specifically what's within your control is you've been given a number of resources you have some sort of space that you're working with you have some level of materials that you're working with how are you going to use those and what are you going to do like what can you do to improve your conditions so that you are in an environment that supports your ability to do your job well instead of distracts or pull, you know what I mean? And I, I mean, I remember just as an example, quickly, I came, when I came to Texas, you know, I walked in, I had, was in two different schools. I walked into one of them and we had a beautiful, huge room there. And there was just this like massive bookshelf with just materials everywhere that were completely unorganized. And as a contract therapist, I was not paid to come in at any time until the first day of school. So I had chosen not to come in early <laughs> which probably was a mistake, but I wasn't paid for that time. So I was whatever. I made that choice. And that it was just a beast. And I was like, how do I even, I, and then there were so many things to do that I never felt like I could organize those materials or figure out, orient myself even, right? To yeah, the materials. Yeah. So in this section, I really talk a lot about what can you do and how are some, again, simple ways to organize or work with your materials, use what you have, no like filing systems, making sure you have access if you need copies of things easy for parents. Like it can speed up your process so much if you're organized, right? But you also want to be careful about how much time you're spending organizing because we can all get, that can be a deep dark hole too, right? Yeah, it can. <laughs> yeah. But another thing about conditions is the teachers, your the faculty that's around you, your relationships with the people that are around you, the smell in your room. I know that in not, not in every school will they allow things, but for me, in any school that I'm, I'm allowed to, I, I bring a diffuser and some essential oils. It just makes the environment more pleasant for me and I'm, I'm happier, you know? There are just little things like that, a plant that can really, it just enhances sometimes how you feel in your setting. And when you feel good, you perform better. Yeah. Exactly. You know, one time I took into my therapy room a lamp, just like from home, a lamp, and it gave warmth and the kids really liked it. Everybody commented about it. A lamp, for heaven's sakes. But it gave that sort of homey, kind of an accepting atmosphere. I don't know. It did something. It gave off extra light. It just wasn't the fluorescence up in the ceiling within my cinder block <laughs> little room. It is stuck a lamp in there. Just crazy. But yeah, and the scents, I think that's, I never did that. That makes all kinds of sense to me as well. Now, you mentioned environment in your room, the physical environment, and you also sort of mentioned a little bit of outside of your room and relationships, I guess, or the school. Do you want to talk just a little bit about that? Yeah. As far as the school, the teachers, that kind of thing. Just maybe yeah. a little bit of that, because that's so very relevant. Absolutely. I, I'm sure we've all, those of us who have worked in schools, right, we're all, every every work environment has a different feel, a different personality, right? And the people that are there are contributing to that, right? And principals, especially administrators, right, kind of, they kind of have a, a tone that they set. That's right. And I've been in schools where it's been kind of fearful and get your work done and don't chat. There's no fraternizing or anything like that. And I've been in schools where it's, we celebrate every, all the birthdays and there's monthly treat things in the, in the lounge, the teacher's lounge and different things like that. And what I have noticed 
And again, we are not necessarily in control of, we aren't in, in control of anybody's actions or, right? Right. We can only control yeah. what we bring. Right. But I have noticed that I'm happier in the schools that are friendlier. <laughs> so how can I contribute to a friendly environment that can help? Because these relationships, we know, we collaborate with so many people, with teachers, with LEAs, which are often our principals and administrators, right? So our interpersonal relationships with them, our friendliness to them can really go a long way at the impacts that that will translate later into our work with our kids, right? Getting a child to say a good er sound is one thing, but getting them to use it consistently is another. Now, you know the easy R program for getting the er, but what about generalization? Well, what about the new R speech practice audios? Kids love to practice them and you quickly access them via QR codes. Go to speechdynamics.com to take advantage of the 40% off sale price. Do it now. I did a podcast, I think, one time, or maybe it was a blog, I don't know. And I probably talked about it because basically, I'm kind of an introvert. You know, here I am doing a podcast, but I'm pretty much an introvert, okay? And I have for years struggled with that and really made myself go out of my way to be friendly and just to share who I am. And I mentioned in, I think it was the podcast, that share who you are, be friendly, make other people feel good about themselves and what they're doing and so on. But feel free to share who you are. And I guess the friendliness is a, is a really big part of who you are. But also your caring nature, your leadership skills, all of those things, share who you are. And I think that builds not only awareness by the teachers and the administrator and so on, but that can carry over into IEP meetings so that you have support because they know where you're coming from. Is that kind of what you're talking about? Absolutely. Does that fit in that category? Absolutely. I think so. But I will say that the first thing that I thought of when you said that was, (laughs) and this stems from my experience of stress, I was at a point in my second setting where I didn't feel like I could do that because I was worried it would cost me too much time. And I had so much on my plate. I was like, I cannot show my personality. I cannot be friendly with anybody. I can't tell them that I have a bachelor's degree in acting because they will ask me to do something. I can't, I can't, I <laughs> can't, right? True. I can't. <laughs> That's you true. Know, yeah. Oh, right? yeah. Or I yeah, can't. You can't share that. <laughs> they already knew I was bilingual. So I was being pulled to the front office to translate often because they didn't have the resources. That's out of my, you know what I mean? So yeah. that was stressed me out. So I do have tips too, like on how can you be friendly while still having your boundaries to be able to get the job done. And you know what? A simple hellos and thank yous go a long way. When the janitor comes into your room and is emptying the trash after school when you're working on your, you know, evaluation or whatever. Thank you so much for doing that. Yes. I really appreciate yes, it. Of course. Yes. That kind of thing. Or, you know, a quick, those little things when you can take time to do little things that people feel appreciated, they feel the kindness, they want to return it. It's just exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Good, 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 good. All right. Well, I think we're doing pretty good here. 
consistency, confidence, conditions, and anything else in those three before we head into number four? Anything that you wanted to share that perhaps I urged you along too quickly? Anything you want to share? Oh, technology real quick. Conditions. Technology. Okay. Technology is not always in our control. And that can be very frustrating if it's not working well, right? And we're required (laughs) to use it. Yes. (laughs) So also figuring out ways to work with that. But that was another piece. I don't want to go into that too much. But yeah, so that pretty much covers those. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Technology. And the thing is, you know, and I am trying, and you and I talked about this, I am trying to, to learn what I need to know. But it's like, as soon as I learn something, it, it changes, <laughs> you yeah, know, or, or know. you know, another app comes along that meets that need a little bit better. And so then you got to learn that and yeah, and all of that. So yeah. And just to piggyback on that, you know, with the consistency piece, there is so much that changes in our field all the time. Districts will decide to totally get a new database and you have to learn a whole new way of entering your IEPs or a new way of data collection now is required digitally for a lot of districts instead of using your own sheets and things like that that you like. So so there is going to be, and we have to be flexible with that, so where you can keep your consistency, where you can keep things stable, it can really reduce stress because over time you get more proficient at those things that are stable. If everything's changing all the time, it really can be overwhelming. Can drive you nuts. (laughs) Literally. Yeah. (laughs) Literally. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Okay. Pillar number four. Okay. Pillar number four is actually my favorite. Pillar number four is constitution. And what I'm referring to in constitution is your personal or my personal physical, mental, and emotional state, right? Ability, constitution. So this is, I mean, we all know, like we can all recite things like, I know I got to have enough sleep and I know I got to drink enough water and whatever, but I have noticed that what are the first things to go when we get stressed? Things like that, right? Your workouts, if you haven't, if you do them in the early morning or after school, if you're going to stay late or if you have to, you know, sleep, that goes, the workout it's goes true. out the window. It's true. The sleep, right? Sleep. We compromise sleep all the time. Food, right? We go for the quickest thing instead of the healthy thing. And that's all physical. So I really believe that building in time for those things makes a huge difference. Then mental, right? So mental is also affected by all the physical things, but what are you doing to mentally stay healthy? And that can also be like time off. You must unplug. And I, I'm, I'm one of those, I, I'm a great overworker. I just get in the zone and I want to keep going. And I also, I strive for excellence, right? We're, and many of us are type A. We want, we want our work to be good. And so we'll keep working, working, working to make it all good. But you must, like, your work will improve with time off, with unplugging, right? It's actually proven. And then emotional. So let's go back to my, my personal experience with miscarriage and loss, right? That's, affects, <laughs> you know, if I'm coming in and I know I've got a doctor's appointment and I know I got, or if you have kids and, and um, things are emotionally going on in your life, you know, there's a certain level we have to keep maintain professionalism. We have to be able to set these things aside, but we also need to make sure that we deal with those things in our lives and that we provide opportunities for healthy emotional 
work, I think, in our lives. Like, even for me, like right now in the spring, flowers, just sitting and looking at flowers, smelling flowers, my tending to my little front planter a little bit, <laughs> weeding a little bit. That's emotionally very charging for me. Music, like putting on some loud dance music while I'm getting lunch for the kids. The kids love it, you know, or whatever. Kind of like excites me. Those are emotional things that we can do to really support our health. And when you're having fun or recharging in those ways, you come in refreshed, fresh, ready, and it really affects your ability at work. That's that's what I have noticed. Yes, yes. You know what my big problem is though? You know, I get up fairly early, I go to bed at a decent time, and then I'm like, oh, crumb, I didn't do that. How do I make sure or ensure that I fit some of those things in? Because sometimes I am just, and I'm writing, and I'm calling people, and I'm Zooming, and I'm collaborating with therapists and so on. And, and I, and it's great fun. And I love, love, love doing it. But then at the end of the day, I'm like, oh, crumb, I was going to pull up that exercise video and do it. And it's like, <laughs> zoom, just went right over my head and I didn't do it. And I have tried to say, okay, I'm going to write it down and I'm going to schedule myself and I'm going to get up at 530. And then so from 530 to blah, blah, blah. And it's like, ah, you know, what do you do to try and remind yourself or to schedule it in or to ensure that you do it at least some of the time? There are many approaches that I would say. One of them is give yourself grace. And like you said, like you said earlier, when you were talking about the professional development and working on a skill, you said, you know, even if I, if I didn't do it for those two weeks, it doesn't mean I need to sign off on it altogether. I think that we do that sometimes. I think we give up. We say, ah. I was going to work out this week and I did, didn't do it, so to forget it. And we toss out the plan altogether. <laughs> but every day is a new day. Every week is a new week. So for me, what works is I love to work out. And so it's it's very um, energizing to me. I, I just love the way I feel when I'm strong and fit. And so I schedule it six times a week. But my goal, my achievement goal, I feel success is three Interesting. It's that overscheduling <laughs> thing again, yeah. and then you actually hit half of it. <laughs> yep. And that's okay. All right, okay. I may be able to do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Another thing, there's power in consistency and small bites, right? So little things over time add up to great rewards, right? Or great detriment, <laughs> right? Yeah, so, right. So depending on what they are. So thinking like you don't have to have, sometimes we over want, like I want to get that whole workout done. Well, what if you just press play and did the first 15 minutes or the first five minutes? I read an article once about, you know, a man decided he was just going to do one push up a day. That's all he was going to commit to. I can fit in one push up a day. So <laughs> okay. every morning he woke up, he got down on the floor, he did his one push up, then he got in the shower, he did it, whatever. And the next day, and you know, after a while, he was like, okay, I got this down. I'm going to do two. Okay. You know, and over time, it built and built and built and built until he was he was regularly doing exercise and working out that that really impacted his life. I think we need to like lower our expectations and stop beating ourselves up all the time for not doing something. Lower the expectation. It's okay. 
you tried or, you know, you thought about it today. Awesome. Celebrate that. Right. <laughs> and then <laughs> tomorrow, what will yeah. I do? Okay. You know, I'm just going to do one push up. <laughs> yeah. I can do that, but I'm not the one push up. <laughs> but one thing, right? But or five minutes of my exercise video. I can do that. Okay. All right. Great. Great. So, do you have other time management things that you'd like to share with us? Yes. Let's talk about real quick daily and weekly. Like when I do that planning, when I'm looking at scheduling things out, the other thing I do is I identify a top thing that I need to get done each day. So it might be I'm like really pushing the clock on this evaluation. I need to like, and I personally like to sit down and just write for two hours and pump the whole thing out because right. I'm in the mindset, right? I can, I know the kid. Cause I feel like it's not that easy to chunk it. Like I want to integrate all the knowledge of what, what's going on with this child or whatever. But I have learned that I can actually sit down, get my Goldman Fristo blurb out and p- plug in everything. Right. And then write a few examples. And then later I can go in. So Whatever it is that day, maybe you need to call a parent, maybe you're behind, maybe you need to turn something into, but there's something that's on your plate, that's on your mind, that's bothering you that you haven't done yet, right? Write that down and commit to doing that one thing that day. And when at the end of the day, when you're checking, how did I do today? Checking over or whatever. Did I get that one thing done? Check. Feel good. It, it Actually, it's like a high to feel like you got, got it done, right? It's off your plate. And I prefer to do three things. But I highlight one that if nothing else, you know, I'm going to get this one thing done. Okay. Okay. So it would be a perk if I did two or maybe three, mm-hmm. but I'm definitely going to do this one thing because I'm a great list maker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I bet a lot of us are, you yeah. know, and I know people say do the most important thing first. And then I look and I go, I've got five most important things, but you're saying to pretty much Pick one, the most important thing that has to be done today, and then two options. Yeah. Okay. I can do that too. All right. (laughs) Anything else for time management? Yeah. You said the thing I was going to say, which is people say, do the thing first, right? But in our schedules, it's not always possible. We have a schedule to follow, right? So we can't always do it first. And especially if it's, they, they also say like, there's a great book called eat that frog. (laughs) If you have to eat that frog, if you're going to have to eat a frog, when are you going to do it? Just get it over with. Eat that frog. Eat that frog. (laughs) (laughs) It's a fantastic book on time management. But I do like that idea because I think we don't recognize most, many of us, I am a great procrastinator. If it's something hard or it's something that feels, But it hangs over you. If you don't get it done, it hangs and it stresses you out and it can slow you down on other things. You get an emotional hit hormonally when you get it done. It's physical. It's physiological. So if you can get it done, it's like, whew, that wasn't so bad or it's done. And then you can move on. And then you usually do get those other things on your list done because you're feeling so good. I firmly agree. Yeah. So I think when we have those moments in the day, I do try to, in my weekly schedule for the week of when I set up my caseload, I do try to have a few blank spots, at least like one or two half hours that are blank. And they're just for like data or like any kind of cleanup stuff that I need to do. Sometimes I put those in at the beginning or at the end of the school day. But anyway, those are moments when you can eat that frog. 
Okay, so you just said something that piqued my interest. You said that when I make my schedule for the week, are you talking about your therapy schedule or your personal schedule of things that you want to get done or both? Good question. Good question. I was specifically talking about my like school schedule. So usually I set up a schedule at the beginning of the school year, right? We set up our therapy schedule and we have things and it's pretty much set. Like it's, it will change, but it's like the structure I'm going to build off for the year. Right. Okay. And that's, that's the schedule I was thinking of when I was looking at it. Yes. You know, I do this in my personal life too. My husband and I, like we, we have a Sunday night meeting. What does the week look like? What do we have going on? What do we need to coordinate? Where do I need your support? And where do you need my support? We have like categories that we go through grocery shopping and, you know, household stuff. And then also like mother and father duties. And we go through these things and because we want to be intentional parents and we want to be, we want to live in an organized home and we have things to get done. And so we do that on Sunday nights. We review our week. We go through, we, we make some goals or whatever. And then the next Sunday night we revisit how do we do on those things and follow up with each other and, and we do another plan. And so, I mean, I do this in my personal and each day when I get up, I usually have one thing I want to accomplish that day, you know, and it's, it might just be, you know, it's a potty word in the throes of potty training, you know, (laughs) or it's like today, I just need to make sure I make that phone call to my doctor or I need to make sure, you know, whatever it is. So yeah, I do this in both. Right. Well, I have to say, I am impressed that you and your husband do that after 36 years of marriage. I've never done that once, but (laughs) wow, I wish I'd talked to you 35 years ago, at least. (laughs) Where were you, girl? (laughs) This is so, this is impressive. Thank you. Thank you. I'm serious. Thank you so much. We, you know, it evolved out of a couple of things There were, when we got married, there were a couple of things we really wanted to make sure we knew. And this, I do this in my job too. Like, what are the three things that are the biggest cause for divorce? Well, we identify it's finances, it's intimacy, and then there's something else. I can't remember the other thing. And so we talked about those things and we made plans. Yeah. Communi- yeah <laughs> Communication. Yeah. 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 And so we intima- implemented some plans for success there. And we're not perfect. Oh, you're not. Oh, <laughs> lest you think. Yes, of course not. <laughs> no, I know. I know. No, we're all human. And we all have these high expectations of ourselves. And I think sometimes we think that other people, you know, have it more together than we do. And that other person is thinking, oh, she's got it more. Or he's got it more together than I do. And we're all we're all flawed. <laughs> we all have the same downfalls and the same things. Like I, I'm going to say most of us have similar struggles. But you certainly have given us some food for thought and some really good techniques and strategies. I've written them down here. So I'm going to review and I'm, you know, and I'll probably be contacting you. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now, awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As far as contacting, speaking of contacting, give us your information. I know that, are you working on a website or do you have one, your email? How can we get in touch with you? How can we access other information? I know that you have done another course and you're going to be doing some more courses here on speechtherapypd.com you know, lay all that on us if you would. Okay. Just general contact information, delang, D-E-L-A-N-G-E dot essentials at gmail.com is my email address. You're welcome to email me there. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at my personal page. If you search Melissa Burke Delang, 
and Burke is spelled without an E, B-U-R-K. Melissa Burke DeLang. You'll find my personal pages and my professional pages. And a website is in the future. It's not there yet. Okay, it's on the list. (laughs) um, Yep, it's on the list, one thing at a time. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, and currently I'm not as active on social media, but I do check it a couple times a week to just situational in my life right now. But I do have a professional page on Instagram, Melissa Burke DeLang, that you can find me there. And I do, I talk about more miscarriage and loss information on my personal Instagram page, which is Mel B. Dell, M-E-L-B-D-E-L. But anyway, I talk more about that there. So yeah, you're welcome to reach out to me on any of those platforms. Good, good. Now, your courses. Yes. Your courses. yes. Yes. So last night I taught a great course that will be coming up. The recordings will be available soon called Cultural Considerations in the Assessment and Data Collection of Monolingual and Bilingual Children. And so if you're interested in that, keep an eye on speechtherapypd.com and and that will be uploaded soon. And then I am really, really excited that I get to teach a three-part series in August about how to thrive in schools. So these four pillars that we just talked about, we're going to break those down. We're going to talk about two the first week, two the second week, and then we're going to talk about advocacy in the third week. And what I want, my goal is anybody who wants to take part in those, I'll just tell you they're the first three weeks of August on Wednesday. They'll be same time of all the webinars, but and they'll be recorded and available for later. The first two will be two hours each and the last one will be one hour. But watch for those because it's going to be a little more workshop style where you're going to have to do the work a little bit and make your own plan. You're going to kind of come away with your own IEP, for lack of a better word, right? Yeah, that's good. Of how you're going to thrive more this year at school instead of survive. And I know with pandemic, it has been a beast for many of you. It has. Right? That are listening to this. It's been awful. It's been awful. Yeah. Yeah. It's been horrendous. I mean, we even have people that are thinking of, I'm saying we, I mean, these are things that I read on Facebook that are thinking of just throwing in the towel. They're just, you know, I think of the cat that's holding on by its little claws, you know, and I, they're, they're just about ready to let go. And it honestly, it breaks my heart. I'm just hoping that people will hang in there and that next year has got to get better. And your courses are going to be, did you say in August? Yes, they're August 4th, and then, of course, I didn't write there. They're Wednesdays. Okay. Well, it starts with the 4th. Okay. Yeah, the 4th, the 11th, and the 18th Okay, great, great. Perfect, perfect. Excellent. Well, we do have a question here. Sure. And this is from Katie. Hi, Katie. And she says, I schedule two times a week student for six sessions per month, giving me two times a month that the student can miss sessions. I schedule them for two times so that I can get at least the six or some months, they get all eight sessions. This also gives me time for IEPs and evaluations. So I think she's kind of saying what you're saying, that she kind of overschedules it and makes sure that she fills in the amount that's on the IEP. I mean, my reading was horrible on that. That's what I understood. Yeah, I think she's got it. You've got four because she's scheduling them for twice a week, but you only need six times a month. So you've got two extra sessions built in every month just in case. And that's fantastic. Yeah. Okay, great. Great. Thank you, Katie. Here's Angela. What advice would you give to someone who works in a school with administration that is unsupportive? 
Ooh, we need another podcast hour for this, don't we? (laughs) Yes. Okay. So this is general advice. First, be a solutions provider instead of a complainer. So find a place to release the energy that we do. We all have the, the negative energy that we feel when we feel not support or when we feel, you know, like, why don't, you know, we need to release that. So find a place where we can release that, right? However that is for you. Venting to somebody, getting on the Facebook group that allows you to vent, <laughs> whatever it is, yeah. and then let it out, like release that out and then think, okay, what are my solutions? And you're asking me, what are your solutions, right, Melissa? So, so my solutions to that are to thank them for what they are doing, number thank one. Thank them. Okay. Mm-hmm. Find a way to thank them for what they are doing. You soften people when you thank them. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And that's not easy, but to be appreciative. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And then you you will find opportunities to ask for just a notch up. Like, you know, also I think sometimes you need to draw the picture or maybe ask a question. Like I'm sensing this is what's going on or I'm sensing this might be not approved by you or you know, you have to choose your language and things like that, but ask I want to understand why because this is something that's really important to me. And I just really want to understand where you're coming from. If we seek to understand, right, Stephen Covey, seek to understand first, then seek to be understood. We don't know what the schema is that they're coming from, what the experience is that, and the reasons they are that way, but there are reasons that they are that way, that they're acting that way. So f- try to find that out. Ooh, that is very insightful. You always kind of want to follow somebody, you know, like if you're coming into a new school as a new SLP, you want to follow somebody that everybody liked, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah. not somebody that was like walking on water, okay, that was like super, super perfect, because that's really hard to follow. But you want somebody that got out there and interacted and that that most people liked and enjoyed, because that'll probably spill over to you. Now, you'll have to take time and, you know, you'll have to grow into it, but at least their mindset is already there. And maybe an unsupportive administrator came from a position like you were kind of alluding to that, ah, you know, those SLPs, they just, you know, whatever, fill in the blank. They're just not trustworthy or, you know, they don't have a classroom and they don't have 30 kids in their classes. We They have four. I mean, who knows where that's coming from? So I like your idea. Find out where they are coming from with that attitude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Angela. Good luck to you. Good luck to you. Ah, wow. Wow. Melissa, this has been just a pleasure to listen to you and to learn from you and your experiences. And you were put through the fire and, you know, you came, you came out a piece of gold. So thank you so much for all of your insights and your information. And I'm sure there's a lot here that many of us can take and apply. So thank you so very, very much. Thank you. thank you, Char. Thank you so much I, for having me on. And secondly, thank you for all that you're providing for all of us, because I've listened to several of these podcasts and I've, I've gleaned so much from so many other people. And so thank you for providing this for us, oh, this platform. Oh, it is my pleasure. And it is something that I just absolutely love doing. And I get to meet great professionals like yourself and interact with SLPs. So thank you. Thank you. I also do want to thank all of you 
for tuning in and for being here and for continuing to get the word out about the SpeechLink podcast that's now visual. And it's going to continue to be visual, you know, as long as we can be, okay? And of course, you you not only learn your information, but you get your CEUs as well. The audio version will continue to be available on all of the popular podcast apps like Apple Podcast and TuneIn and Podbean, etc., And I have to say, I really greatly appreciate all of your positive comments and your reviews and your support. Also, as you may know, the Speech Link meets every other Thursday at 7 o'clock Eastern, p.m. Eastern. And next time, and you may want to take a note here, on June 3rd, at the same time, Adina Sakloff, MSCCCSLP, will share with us Simple Strategies to Develop Cooperation and Engagement of Children During Therapy Behavior Stuff, which is, you know, I think most of us kind of need that. And as we wrap up, just log into your speechtherapypd.com account, take the quiz, do the evaluation, and print out your certificate. And last but not least, hang in there, everybody. School year is almost over. And do know you're not alone. I know it's been a challenging year for pretty much everybody. So hang in there and thank you for all you do for your therapy kids. See you next time. Bye-bye. I'm thrilled you tuned into the speech link. I hope it was helpful. Just leave a quick review and subscribe to be part of a select group that receives every episode. For CEUs, go to speechtherapypd.com. And for everything else, visit sharpochart.com. There's free materials, articles, books, and my blog, Therapy Matters. Thank you for all you do. See you next time. Thank you.